Hi, welcome to Coffee and Creative Season 3. In this episode, we interview Diana Vaden, a Broadway dancer and actor, a creative director of Radiant NYC, and a poet. This interview is so great, so grab a cup of coffee or a glass of wine or whatever makes you happy and enjoy this interview. Today on Coffee and Creatives, I'm so excited to introduce our guest, Diana Vaden. And Diana is a creative to her core. She embraces the artistic life as a dancer, actor, singer, poet, and writer. Originally from Reno, Nevada, she slowly but surely made her way to New York City, stopping in LA for college at USC, traveling around on cruise ships, and performing in Las Vegas. Now she is settled on the East Coast pursuing her Broadway dreams. She made her Broadway debut in the Tony-nominated Tootsie the Musical, and she was in rehearsal for the Broadway-bound musical Once Upon a One More Time before the pandemic sent us all into quarantine. She is also a co-founder and the executive creative director of Radiant NYC, an online magazine and community dedicated to empowering women in the city. Currently, she is developing a new television series with her writing partner and working on her first book of poetry called Dare Her to Rise that she intends to self-publish this summer. Diana, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to chat about all things creative. <laughs> and what are you drinking today? Ooh, okay, yes. I have a glass of ginger beer. It's my favorite brand, Fever Tree. Um, and actually, fun little thing I was thinking about is um, one of the activities for Artist Way was to like make a list of delights, and like ginger beer was on there. So mm-hmm. I'm like leaning, trying to lean into that, you know, having the things <laughs> nice. as my delight list, you know. Artist yeah. Way. <laughs> Well, I'm drinking water, which is super boring. <laughs> but I did. I had um, some Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee like an hour ago. Um, we were out looking at apartments, and it was so hot. And I was like, I need something cold. Um, so yeah, but now I'm having water. I don't have a Dunkin' Donuts where I live. There isn't one. Oh, isn't that weird? I also that? do not have a Dunkin' Donuts where I live. We were supposed to get one, and then the pandemic hit, and then they were like, no more Dunkin' Donuts for you. <laughs> I'm drinking, aha, sparkling water. I don't know. Um, it's blueberry and pomegranate, and it tastes kind of like someone sneezed near blueberries and put blueberries in it. I'm just drinking lavender tea. It's my new jam. It's lavender Sounds tea. Nice. In the mm. evening, but I had coffee this morning, but I wasn't Dunkin' Donuts coffee. It was just <laughs> regular coffee. Mm. All right. Well, let's just jump in. Um, Diana, I'd love to just ask you kind of about your creative journey. Um, I know. How long have you been in New York? Yeah. Oh, I'm, I've only been in New York for four years. Okay. Four it's years. It feels like a really short time, but also a long yeah. time at the same time, you know? Yeah. Time is a strange entity. It's a strange thing. Um, Yeah. And just do you want to just tell us kind of what brought you here? I know probably Broadway, but um, yeah. How did you like get to that point? Yeah. Well, let's see. Um, So, yeah, like you said um, in the intro, it's like I was born and raised in Reno, Nevada. So I got introduced to like dance and then acting um, while you know, growing up in Reno, 
um, high school, fell in love with acting. So I decided to go to um, California where the actors go. And also there was a lot of dance. Um, I was really interested at first in commercial dance. So that's, you know, mm. LA is where you go for commercial dance. So went to college there. Um, didn't really fall in love with LA, um, but kept falling in love with performing. Um, and then decided to go on cruise ships where I like fell more in love with musical theater in particular. Um, and then, so I was like, okay, where do you go for musical theater? Which the best place to go yeah. is New York City. Although there's really good musical theater all over the nation, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. That's something we could talk about later. It's like, mm -hmm. but yeah, where you can get, you know, paid really well for what you're doing <laughs> um, is in New York City. So yes. So then I, you know, set my sights on New York to try to pursue it with some encouragement from um, some different choreographers that I worked with. Um, but I was in Vegas before I moved. Um, so any who's yes. So made my way to New York city, um, solely to like, you know, pursue musical theater and, um, and also I know that, um, the poetry world in New York city is really, um, beautiful and powerful, although I haven't, um, been able to dive into it much, but yeah, I just knew that there were other ways that my artistic life could thrive in New York City as well. Um, so yeah, so at the beginning of 2017, um, moved here um, with a hope and a dream and not a lot of money. So that's mm. usually the artist's way. No I'm kidding. That's right. <laughs> that is the actual artist's way. That's, yeah. Yes. Yes. So the whole chapter on no, money is so real. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah, oh my totally. goodness. We were um, talking about blog prompts. I don't know if this is okay that I share Christina, but we were like, Christina was asking for blog prompts, and one was like, oh, maybe like what it's like to be married to a creative and for you both to be creativity, and she just responded one word, poor. <laughs> like, wow. It was like dying laughing. That's so um, good. But poor and happy, right? Yeah, really happy. happy. <laughs> yeah, poor and creative. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what was life like up until the pandemic for you? What was like a typical day? Um, what's the typical day of a Broadway performer? Oh, my I'm goodness. so curious. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's um, it's definitely a hustle. Um, I think, well, it's interesting because your, your life is very different when you're in a show versus when you're auditioning for shows. Um, and so right before the pandemic hit, I was more... Um, before being in rehearsals, it was in the audition flow. So that might look like um, several auditions a week. Um, you know, you're preparing your music and then you're just showing up for a dance call and just getting thrown material at you. And you just you just go for it and you hope for the best. Um, and then you have a lot of downtime after that, trying to figure out ways to not think about the audition that you did and putting your whole heart and soul out there in front of people who are telling you you're good enough or not good enough and trying to just like wrap your head around that and stay spiritually um, OK <laughs> in all of that. And um, yeah, so that's like the audition world. But um once you're in a show, your schedule is really consistent, which is really nice. Um, you're just flip-flopped from everybody else. You're like, usually I would be like sleeping in um, and like having my main daytime activities from like 10 to like four or five, then preparing for the show and then working it in the evenings. Um, mm -hmm. and yeah. And so that was, that's interesting because although the work is steady, it's hard to coordinate like friendship time. 
because mm-hmm. people are on different schedules. But anyways, yeah. yeah. But it's just the hustle and flow of figuring out your life and trying to coordinate, um, you know, and keep a balance because it can kind of be all consuming um, the performance schedule, whether auditioning or mm-hmm. being on stage and in a show. Do you have any mm-hmm. like creative rituals or certain things you do when you're going into an audition or like if you're in a um, when you're in um, musicals that you do to kind of like get yourself in the zone? Yeah, I mean, yeah, if I'm in a show, usually I have like a full warm up that I do um, vocal warm up um, and also just like have a really nice meal before before a show. Mm. Um, And then once they're like have like stretching activities and then prayer um, and then, Mm. you know, to get the makeup done and just get in the zone like that. That's That's so interesting that you eat a nice meal because I know a lot of performers that even if they're like very seasoned and they are like they still like they're like oh I just can't eat a lot before a show Mm. but yes 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 well (laughs) it it also depends like sometimes depending on how much like dancing is being done you know coordinating but I always try to eat there's never that um sense of like you know being scared about dietary Mm. stuff well it's so draining like and you don't want to like pass out on stage. No. You know, like you have you know, it's just so much energy. And like for for people who like might not know, can you just share like I mean, it's eight. Is it nine? Eight or nine performances a week? Eight performances a week. Eight performances. Yeah. Oh, okay. Eight performances. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Eight I performances. didn't know that. But six days yeah. a week. So yeah. So there's days where you double up. Um yeah. Oh. On a Saturday, it's usually two shows, and then maybe um, usually Wednesday you have two shows. Wednesday, um, yeah, and then one day off, yeah, yeah. Oh. So it's kind of a grueling. Um, Do you? Not, it's not grueling. It's just you know steady. Just you keep going. So yeah, you have to stay fueled. For is that. there one day like that all of Broadway doesn't have shows, or is it just you? Usually they, like, alternate days. Yeah. I know nothing of this. Yeah, no, no, no. Usually <laughs> I've been tradi- to one Broadway in my life. It was in the Heights, it. and I was like 18. So. I love that. No, traditionally, it's Mondays are dark. They say, you know, Monday's dark. They're even in Las Vegas. It's, this is kind of like um, kind of a nationwide thing, because even in yeah. Vegas, they had a whole um, separate, like, artist showcase on Mondays called Monday's Dark because performers were, you know, oh, free fun. on that evening to do something else. Um, but now, um, I know I'm not sure when this started happening, but now some shows are alternating days or doing, um, like the show I was in, um, we had our, we had Thursdays off rather than Monday. Um, Mm. and I think that was more for ticket sales purposes, marketing, just, you know, trying to get different types of people in the seats, um, instead of all, you know, trying to compete with every show. So Mm -hmm. now they're kind of, and then I think. Yeah, I think now it's Mondays and Thursdays are kind of. And I've heard talk about even, I don't know, like, if you've heard this, but like when Broadway comes back, like, is it going to like jump back into that rigorous schedule or people, you know, like I've heard all these rumors, like, what's it going to look like? Maybe there will only be like four shows a week. I don't know. I don't know if you've heard that. Yeah. There's like, oh, my gosh. Chat about that. You know more about the rumors than I do. I <laughs> it might not, be literally yeah. just a rumor. I don't know. <laughs> no, I read it's that good. somewhere. That would be nice to see, at least to just like ease back into things. Um, yeah. Especially because I think the question also is how many people will be in the seats. But also we're thinking about how to not run performers into the ground. Um, mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. also part of that rumor is 
you know, changing that motto of the show must go on because that entails that sometimes we're as performers and I've felt this pressure, like just push through if you're feeling Mm. sick, which obviously that's something that COVID has taught us not to do. Like, (laughs) um, and, and so how to like maybe push back against the lack of balance that we have when we say like the show must go on and we're pushing ourselves a little beyond our limits. Yeah. Yeah. And so thinking, I'm, oh sorry, you go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. So thinking, like hopefully, to Broadway is back, and um, there's no, and we're not pushing performers too hard, and everybody's happy, and you have someone like me who's only maybe been to like one Broadway. What would be your advice to them to like have the best experience of like someone who doesn't really know a lot about musical theater, maybe has seen like some really horrible high school plays, and like <laughs> which have two. discouraged us from going to see more <laughs> musical theater. Yeah. 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 Um, what would be like your advice for a novice like Broadway attender? I think for oh, that's a good question. Um, I feel like there's a show for anyone out there. Like, I think there's so many different types of musicals. Um, uh, whether that means style, whether that means the style of singing, style of, um, style of storytelling, style of structure. Um, so I would say if you're looking and researching for yourself, just go to the thing that you're drawn to. Like, even if it's marketing, like you like Mm. the, you know, font and the, you know, aesthetic (laughs) of the marketing, try it, like go. But I I would say, yeah, just see and explore. And then if you're like, that wasn't for me, try something on the opposite spectrum because there's so much um, type. There's so many types of musicals out there that I feel like you'd find something that really appeals to you. Yeah. What was your favorite um, thing about working working on Tootsie or being in Tootsie, I should say. Oh, my favorite thing was the um, creation process. So it was a new musical, mm-hmm. um, which, yeah. So sometimes um, as as you're pursuing um, musical theater, there's established shows that are already running that you can enter into as a replacement, or you could be a part of a new production where you're you know, a part of the creative process. Um, no one's ever done the role that you will probably build, even if you're on the ensemble. Mm-hmm. So I really, really enjoy a new musical experience, whether it is something that, you know, turns out to be a hit or even a flop, because it's just really fun to be in the rehearsal room and to hear how people are putting their brains together to bring a story to life um, for the first time on such a big stage and on a big scale. Um and I think that the stakes are so high because it is Broadway. So like money, so much money is involved. Mm-hmm. But so we all feel really stretched to bring our best selves to the to the room. Um, and and I just learned so much during Tootsie from other seasoned actors who were in a new process. And and it was actually really comforting hearing other people who had been in so many Broadway shows, even though it was my first Broadway show, them being like, I don't know if it's going to be good. Like, we just got to work at it. We're just got to, I don't know what's going to happen. Let's have fun learning what this is going to be. So that was really exciting because it was kind of leveled us all out at like just being creative beings, Mm. just trying to bring this thing to life. So. And is that kind of where you were in the process when you were working on Once Upon a One More Time? Yes. Yeah. We were two weeks. Same kind of creative. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So crazy. Oh, two weeks in. Two weeks in and trying to bring this thing to life. It was so fun. Like even I think one of the rehearsal days right before the shutdown, we were working on one dance number um, 
trying to do a reverse effect of something that is really well known um, to different audience members. And it was just fun to like try five different versions of the same thing just to see what landed. Like things like that, you have the time and the ability to just play in that yeah. experience. So yeah, it's cool. And has that picked back up yet or? No, not yet. Not sure. There's okay. a bunch of question marks. We have no idea. We, totally. Yeah, yeah. That sounds stressful. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not it for is. you. That would be stressful it for me. A little <laughs> bit. It is because it's so unknown. So it's just almost like when Broadway ramps up, my, the questions that I'm wondering um, are, am I going to be just going into a new audition season? Or is that show going to start back up? Or just how it's going to mm. look like for me to reenter? you know, mm-hmm. that yeah. space in that world. Did so you ever when, have like a moment when you were um, working in Broadway where you had like, I guess like we were starstruck by anybody since you've worked in um, musical theater for so long? It, like, or was it just like, these are just my colleagues and we're all working together? Oh my goodness. That's a good, that's a really good question. Um, I think there's been a couple times that I've been starstruck. Okay. This is actually funny about my, um, uh, journey into Broadway and musical theater. I didn't grow up knowing a lot about musical theater. Um, so there were a couple times when I was in the room for a rehearsal, you know, fast forward to New York and didn't know I was in the room with really big Broadway names (laughs) (laughs) until they like introduced themselves or until somebody was like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe we're working with so-and-so. And I was like, what? No, that's awesome. They just seem like a cool person. Yeah, me too. (laughs) I was like, let me look them up. You know. Um, So one one person I was really starstruck by. um, Her name's Susan Stroman. She's a um, female director choreographer. um, Has won many a Tony, uh, but just holds her own as a as a female director and choreographer for a long time. um, And sometimes without recognition. And so. I just got to do a very um, small workshop with her um, and just just seeing her poise and seeing how she um, just, yeah, even if it was a smaller project, she just put her heart and soul into it. So mm-hmm. I was pretty starstruck with that, especially after I looked her up. <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh, my gosh, this woman is a big deal. I already felt that just from her presence in the room. And then I was like, everybody's so kind of telling me she's a big deal. I should probably find out why. And I was like, ah, I see it. I get it. I yeah. But she's uh, she's in the room with that authority without even knowing her resume. So it's kind of cool. cool. Very cool. Yeah. So when quarantine hit, how did that affect your dance creativity specifically? How did you... How'd you, so I lived in an apartment in Maryland and I remember like trying to do some exercise that was not dance because I'm not a dancer. And I remember just being like, oh my gosh, I hope my neighbors don't hate me. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. It was a, it was a shocking change, you know, um, cause as a dancer, I, I love going to take class, um, mm-hmm. in person with other people. Um, so a lot of classes were trying to pivot and figure out how to do things online. So there was a there was a moment where there's like no, nothing being offered um, in terms of dance classes. And then just I was cooped up in a small apartment in um, Astoria in the, in Queens. Um, and so I didn't have a lot of space. So and it was also a blow because, you know, I one day I was in rehearsal and the next day it was like this thing's being canceled. So there was a moment of grief and not really feeling. 
super excited about dancing. I tried the, you know, trying to have spurts of just um, dancing in my living room, improving around. Um, but it wasn't until a couple months later that I decided to start taking some online classes. Um, but it's just not the same. Yeah, <laughs> It's just not the same. Yeah. And, and, you know, given the fact that you don't have a lot of space and I just love the energy in a dance room with other, other dancers. And so it's, it's been kind of hard still, you know, to figure out how to, how to dance during this time in a way that's really fulfilling. Um, yeah. yeah. Do yeah. they have classes now with masks or not at all? Well, yeah, they're actually, um, one of the big studios here in New York is opening up for like hybrid classes in person and then on zoom. So mm -hmm. yeah, once I'm fully vaccinated, I'll be go checking out. <laughs> so that's going to be great. That's going to be great. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. So what would you say, like, is that kind of what you miss the most? Just like the community and like the kind of the energy of the room I mean, maybe not maybe there's something else you miss more <laughs> but like what do you what do you think that that you miss the most and maybe what is something you don't miss that you've kind of like maybe wouldn't have realized if not for for quarantine yeah um yeah I really I really do miss the community around it and just being in a space where you're just all that creative energy is all in one room um definitely that what I don't miss is the like the grind and the pressure um, to be on all the time and being mm. perfect when you're in the room. Um, mm. That's less so in dance classes, more so in auditions. Um, just feeling, um, yeah, just always feeling the pressure to be perfect, um, mm. you know, and because that, that kind of stifles your growth. Um, yeah, so yeah. I don't miss that. I I love actually part of being quarantined, not feeling like I have to prove anything to anyone mm -hmm. um, or prove that I've got enough talent in this area to warrant, you know, a job. Um, I can't yeah. imagine the kind of pressure in that job. Like you're in like probably the most competitive place in the world for what you do. That sounds really hard. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's an ongoing. It's an ongoing journey of learning how to deal with that pressure in, in healthy ways. Obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. How do you deal though with that pressure? Because I struggle when I have like very low pressure things. I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it always comes back to um, asking myself. Um, who who am I and um, and where does actual approval come from? Um, mm. I know as a, a Christian, as a believer, I know that um, my identity is solidified in in Christ, and um, that before I do anything, like I do not, um, I haven't earned approval from Him, and I don't, I won't lose it. So going back to that place, like if that's um, how I'm moving. In, into the world, then no matter what happens, like that can't be shaken. Um, so I could have a really good day dance wise or any, anything in life. I could have a really good day. Um, but that wouldn't make me loved more. Um, and, mm -hmm. but I could have a really bad day and that wouldn't make me loved less. Mm -hmm. Love, yeah. I think I said that right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I always have to go back to that, you know, um, because when I go into an audition, I feel like I bombed it the 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 most um the impulse response is like 
I'm worthless. I don't have what it takes rather than it was just a bad audition. It's okay. Like that doesn't mean you're bad at what you do. It doesn't mean you have no talent in this area. It doesn't mean those things. So not to make this like crazy leap to think approval has been taken away. Um, mm. So that's, that's, yeah, that has that's kept really me good. grounded, but yeah. it's, it takes like active, like um, just meditating on that, just reminding mm -hmm. myself even after an audition where I feel terrible, um, talking to friends who will reaffirm that rather than say like, oh yeah, you probably should have done this or that or this or, like, <laughs> or do a blame game. You like, are loved I, less. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you probably mm -hmm. should have worn something, you know, like all mm -hmm. those things. Um, yeah. Or, you know, the other thing is like not to blame because that's the other thing that I think comes up in conversations is like, well, they are, you know, they don't know what they're talking about and just blaming mm. it and putting and getting um, upset with the whole system in place. And then, you know, that doesn't yeah. always help because it's just, a, you know, feeling anger in a spiral of that. So anyways. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like such a good reminder for I think a lot of like creative people are also happen to be perfectionists, you know, um, not all of us, but like it's a really it's a really hard lesson, but it's a really good one if you can, um, if you can practice it and if you can learn it and yeah. utilize it um, in everything, not just even creativity, but yeah. every area. Um, so we're gonna come back to Broadway a little bit later, but um, I just want to talk kind of about your different writing um, things that you have going on and I just wanted to start with Radiant which I'm familiar with um, but um, just kind of because I know you're the co co-founder is that right mm -hmm. of Radiant and just how did that happen um, what was it like kind of birthing that child <laughs> um, that is Radiant and yeah how did that happen yeah um, so yeah my little journey to radiant being formed is I was um I was blogging a little bit not a lot not well but <laughs> blogging on my own and my my goal was to um just to share stories of, um of vulnerability and about like um overcoming things as women the challenges that we face especially things like self-worth and um overcoming um difficulties if we've had tra traumatic experiences but also then exploring like how faith um intersects with our journey as, as women um yeah so I was blogging on my own about those things um and I was just feeling very called to once I moved to the city um to do more of that to and the more stories I was hearing from other women as I was meeting them whether it was um at church or um in musical theater auditions, just hearing a constant thread of like, I just feel so much pressure in this area, or I just feel like I'm not good enough, or I just feel like this is hard to be in New York City. And so just wanting to speak directly to that. So anyways, I'm thinking about all these things, um, brainstorming ideas on how to um, do more writing on those topics, but then feeling like this feels bigger than me. This feels like mm. not just something that Diana needs to tackle on her own, but more like, uh, more people need to be writing about this. There's so many women, there's so many experiences. Um, and so then I remember being in um, 
it was like a prayer room um, in the city and another woman was sitting there and we were like, what do we, what should we pray about? She's like, actually I have this dream on my heart about having like an online magazine for women. And I was like, what? And I was like, I've been thinking about doing something like that too, but it felt like, I don't even know. So we talked more. We brought a couple other people into the mix who had had that same kind of vision on their hearts. Um, then we kept talking about it, build a team around it and like just launched it. Um, when was that? 2019. Yeah. Two years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how wow. I came to it. You know, just thinking, goodness, women need to be empowered in this city. And I, you know, that's not just a solo endeavor. So, mm. yeah. I don't live in New York City and I get your newsletter and I greatly enjoy it. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's so it's good. It's really good. Yeah. Oh, good. Oh, I'm so glad. I don't glad. think I'm going to make it to any of your yoga in the park things anytime soon. <laughs> but I really enjoy the newsletter. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'll try about yes. six hours. Here I am. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's yeah, why we got to do some online events still. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's um, so, uh, what does being a creative director entail? What does that role yeah. look like? Wow. That's a really good question. You know, um, <laughs> <laughs> how, how I see it, uh, and maybe this is not the exact definition of it. Um, just trying to, um, bring creative minds together to bring an artistic vision to life. Um, so with that, with Radiant, if we have um, our vision is to empower and enlighten women to pursue radiance and resilience. And so trying to think about what does that look like visually? Um, what does that look like? So when they're on the website, how are they brought into that experience through all the creative elements? And so um, and then just like collaborating and bringing all the creative contributors together to make that come to life. Um, and so that's that's how I view my job is like trying to pull together all these ideas to collaborate and but just make sure that we're, you know, um, inspiring a woman to pursue radiance and resilience. What could that look like visually? So it's, it feels like the possibilities are endless, but just like it kind of, you know, shifts. But, you know, trying to direct that, direct our visual content in that direction. Do you ever have strong creative personalities that don't aren't going in the same way? <laughs> like I, uh, I haven't worked like a ton with creative people, and Noel Anna and Christina are really chill. And we're usually on the same wavelength, so it's not really. But there have been times when I've done like creative kind of things, and people see things differently, and it's not like oh, it's different. It's like you will die if you don't see it my way. <laughs> like, do you ever How have like? How dare you use that shade of blue? Like, yellow. <laughs> Yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> Do you ever have like, I guess like really strong forces pulling in different ways and how do you bring them to unity? Yes. Oh gosh. That's, yes, that's so good. Yeah. We've, we've experienced some of that. Yeah. I've experienced like strong personalities, especially if they have a particular aesthetic they love mm -hmm. um, and like that they just go to and gravitate towards without maybe even realizing it. And you're just like, you're just giving a suggestion of something you just love, you know? <laughs> um, and then being really sold on it. And it's like, well, if we're not going that way, I don't feel like you're hearing my opinion or hearing, you know, things like that. I also, I also, I think come across how, um, 
how insecure we can be as artists because some of those some of those like intense like I'm it must be my way is because I there's this this sense of like if they don't use my idea what am I even doing anything well as an artist Mm. like there's a little bit Mm. of that under those um complaints that I've experienced so it's actually been a really lovely opportunity to um empower these different artists say like well say that I think you're just telling me the the bold colors that you love you know (laughs) and let's remember how like does that actually fit with our aesthetic but also um you're enough as an artist like and what you're um what you offer is great um just like affirming them as an artist um has been really helpful to even diffuse and like get back to a place where we can all collaborate. Um, Cause I think some of that is coming up. That defensiveness is kind of coming up from a different place than like, I just want my idea to be the one that we pick is more out of an insecurity that if it, if it's not mm-hmm. chosen, what does that mean? Um, yeah. Such deep answers. I feel like I need to be taking notes. This time. <laughs> you can go listen to it again. Yeah, to listen yeah. to it again. We're recording this. So. Oh, good. Oh, good. Oh, good. Okay. I was worried. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. And I think Diana is, like, from my experience, she's really good at just, like, hearing. I think you're a really good listener. You're really good at, like, hearing, you know, opinions and just, like, taking it in. And I don't know. That's something even, like, in our last meeting, I just felt like really heard and like listened to. And I think that's really important as like a leader, you know, in a leadership role too. And yeah, I just think you do a good job of that. So. Oh my gosh. Thank you for that <laughs> affirmation. I appreciate that. To you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess we'll, We'll kind of go to your TV show, which I'm really excited to talk about because I don't know much about this. <laughs> um, so do you just want to kind of like share? I mean, I don't know how much you can share, like what you're working on, but like, yeah. is this like a new thing? Has Have you been mm. working on this for a while? Like, was this a pre-quarantine thing? Yeah, tell so us, this this was a pre-quarantine thing. It was actually birthed out of a, a real experience that my writing partner and I had. So he and I, um, his name is Michael, Michael Radiff. He's great. Um, we were both in a show in Vegas. Um, this uh, Okay, this is going to be kind of a fun ride. Um, we were both <laughs> in a show in Vegas, um, which was closing um, in what was that? 2016. So it was around, uh, the 2016 election. So this is exciting because the whole show was invited to perform, um, at, in Washington DC at the inaugural events. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it was a really interesting experience. So then we got to, you know, hear, um, uh, Donald Trump speak, um, and be introduced and, you know, celebrated at this really rare event. Um, Hmm. and, this there is so weird. This... I'm 100% invested where this story is going. <laughs> this is not what I was expecting. <laughs> and we did this whole, this Broadway review show, like a snippet of our show um, from Vegas as a last hurrah before the whole show closed. Um, and it was very strange. There were so many um, differing uh, opinions about being there. Some people were there just because it was the money. Some people were there because, you know... Um, it's a once in a lifetime experience. 
all the different things were um were going on and and i remember mike we were backstage waiting hearing donald trump speak and he turns to me and he's like what if something happened what if somebody attempted to take his life you know and it was like what and i turned to him being the creative that i am and i was like that's a tv show <laughs> that's a tv show right there wow. so we started that that evening and and then that and that was like what five years ago um we yeah so we started this whole um it's a fictional um retelling of a what if like um what if there was a long-term um like assassination plot um that, that finally unfolded and then what would happen what would happen like and so a national catharsis watching that show <laughs> she said it and so <laughs> is this like dra- very drama it's a dra- it's yeah not, okay, it's a dramatic drama. yeah it's, it's a not dramatic. like a comedy or like a yeah okay yeah, yeah. kind of like the politician drama. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's like in the vein of like House of Cards and like um Okay. Yeah. So interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Is so, it gonna be like like sometimes they have in T V shows they have like the actual like um political figures, like they call them by name or they sometimes just fictionalize. We'll fiction. Yeah, we're gonna fictionalize. Yeah, we're gonna fictionalize it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like almost like an alternate reality kind of thing. Yeah, but you will be able. We're we're trying really hard that you'll be able to pinpoint who we're talking about, and you know, or you can ignore the similarities if you'd like. You know, like whatever your experience is. Um, Yeah, yeah. So it's been really fun. I mean, we've you know, it's taking it off to a deep end. Like you know, we're trying to figure out how much do we stay with you know how um how things have unfolded and how much do we Mm. say like what if it were different um Mm. how far-fetched do we get you know yeah do you Um, get the pandemic in there do you not oh that's (laughs) right i know so much has been happening and so it's just Mm -hmm. like yeah kind of yeah how Mm. do you like make like i think that's one of the hardest parts of like writing a story Story is just making those kinds of choices, especially when it's an original idea and there's no like framework and it's like they could do this, but then if they do that, then this has to happen or they could do this. But then if that, I mean, it's just like I get very overwhelmed. Yes. So like I know you're you're working with somebody, so maybe that helps. But do you have any just like advice for that kind of predicament? Yeah. Um, well, it's yeah. I think what helped us is we decided to not let it be an open-ended, um, you know, TV series. So it's like contained into five seasons. So, so we've like, where do we want to begin? And then Mm. what do we want the end to be? I love it when TV shows do that. Cause I hate it when it's like, wait, this happened. That doesn't make any sense based on the beginning. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you didn't tie up a loose end. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I feel feel like Gilmore girls should have had like a, Oh, 100%. (laughs) But yeah. I really like The Good Place, and that had a really good ending, I felt like, for a TV Ooh, show, nice. because they had planned it, like, from mm. the start. Mm. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. That's better. And I have found that's been helpful in terms of, like, planning how how character arcs need to flow, how mm-hmm. relationships need to build, because, you know, like, where do we want it to go? Because the possibilities are really endless. Like, you could mm-hmm. go anywhere. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's really nice to be like, well, we want this to, you know... Um, how we want this to land. This is what we want the audience also to feel when they walk away from the show too. So that's been helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And of course we keep that loose too, just in case like, it's like, well, actually, well, no, we're not actually keeping that very loose. There's one question where like either this, it's like ending mm. A or ending B. So that's really what's going mm. on. Um, but that has really kept it, um, kept the exploration um, at least easier to keep track of um, where we're headed and the parameters of that. You know, sometimes parameters and creativity is really nice to keep yeah. you, <laughs> yeah. really yeah. helpful. Keep you from yeah. stalling, you know, because you're like, yeah. ah, like too many choices. So, mm. yeah. That that would cool. be my advice is like maybe mm. keep keep the, keeping the end in mind, um, mm. yeah. And that reminds me of Thai. How Thai said yeah. that. If you have the that's ending, what I was about to say. If you're at the middle, yeah. common theme. Teddy hey. Martino is a playwright we interviewed. Oh, amazing! Um, so you dance and uh, are in Broadway, and you are a creative director for Radiant, and then you're also writing a TV show, and then you also are writing a poetry book. Um, I'm very inspired and intimidated, but what inspired you to publish your poetry, and can you tell us just a little bit about that process? Yeah. Oh, and please don't be intimidated. I don't feel like I'm doing any of it <laughs> that well. I'm just like, every day, one day at a time. Um, uh, let's see. Yeah, what inspired poetry? So poetry has always been like kind of a tab open um, in my life always, um, even growing up. Um, and then when I was in college, I decided because I loved poetry so much and I loved reading, I was like, I'm going to be a creative writing major. So that was interesting, um, with a creative writing focus. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like poetry has always just been something I do as like one of those, um, journaling kind of tactics. Um, and just understanding my experience as just a human, as a woman, just all the things, the emotions. Um, and I'm always connecting with different um, poets and things like that. So I, the reason why writing a poetry book has been on my radar is part of what I, I just recently went through the artist way. Um, at the, yeah, at the end of 2020. That? Yes, I know. So, you know, um, so a lot of, you know, things were coming up um, going along that journey, just reminding myself that sometimes you're, what you've already written just needs to be shared. Um, mm. And, and, and it was also about permission. So poetry is something that I'm always thinking I've given myself permission to write poetry and keep it in my journals and, you know, maybe share it with a friend. So, you know, maybe, but I've never given myself permission to really put it out there into the world. And I'm like, who am I waiting for somebody's permission mm -hmm. to do that? Who's going to, who's going to give that? Um, and so I guess this, this book, this year, I'm like, I've got all this poetry that I really am one proud of and also think it would resonate with other, with other people, mainly women. Um, and so I'm just trying to compile that and give myself permission to put it out there and just, that's, that's really the goal. Like, I don't know if there's any other goal besides that. I hope one person reads it, you know, maybe. Mm -hmm. I will um, read it. <laughs> yeah, three, one, two, three. Yeah. Yay. Probably Anna too, because yeah, Anna too. Sure. So four, yeah. you've got four people. <laughs> yes. Yay. That's amazing. Uh, but yeah. I really like that. I think that's. I don't know if it's harder for women, perhaps, to just like give a, give ourselves that permission. Um, I think definitely, you know, c 
creative women, especially too. It's just like, it's so easy to be like, oh, who's gonna read this? Or who's gonna look at this or watch this or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, who's gonna like, care? Who's gonna care? Yeah. What's the point? Um, one of my one of my friends is a um, assistant athletic director at a university, and she does like the incoming students stuff for athletics, and it's a, a D two school. And she said all of the male incoming students always ask for a sports scholarship. Always, no matter how good or bad they are. The guys mm -hmm. are always asking for sports scholarships and they're like trying to be like, what can you give me? What can you do for me? And she said, almost never do the girl athletes ever ask for a scholarship, even if they're way more than qualified for. And so yeah. I think it's more than just, I think it is like in creativity. I think it's kind of like a, a bigger like gender thing is like, because a lot of like the pay gap too, you know, how men get paid more than women. Part of that is just like people being mean. But also, it's like women don't ask for it because they're like, I don't mm. deserve it. I don't deserve mm. a raise. I'm just right. happy to be here. Mm. Yes. Yeah. And you're if you're like living in a system that kind of tells you that you're less deserving in different mm -hmm. ways, various forms, maybe not blatantly. Um, yeah. It is really hard to swim upstream like that. But it, it takes more effort to be like, no, I'm going to ask for what I need or I'm going to name it. I'm going to, you know, fight for myself, you know and give myself yeah. permission it's just like it takes an extra effort um yeah it's a hard battle but yeah, yeah that's why i'm like excited to even just be around other women who are like going after their yeah their their dreams and aspirations yeah yeah so the artist way really influenced your poetry did you feel like it influenced your dance at all Ooh. or that's a good any question. other creative it, yeah, it actually really um, influenced my approach to acting. Um, mm. It was like all every time it was <laughs> like all the activities that say like, think about which art form that you really love. And acting would always come up, even though with musical theater I'm acting, but um, I've gotten away from like just straight acting. Um, yeah. mm. And so that really revitalized my, you know, desire to be an actor and like, put myself in other people's shoes and just go through yeah go after that so that was new so that's a new journey of like letting that come back to life um because mm. it's been kind of sleeping a little dormant mm. so for like this last kind of few minutes i want to go back a little bit um well actually a little bit to kind of what we were just talking about um with kind of giving ourselves permission, um, and then also a little bit back to Broadway. And I just wanted to read this quote that I saw this week, um, and it just reminded me of like kind of what I wanted to talk to you about. And this was, um, this is a quote by Joni Mitchell, um, and it's a little bit, it's not too long, it's like three sentences, but I'm just gonna read it and then, yeah, I just wanna hear like your thoughts and talk a little bit about just like, creating art right now and like the state of the art basically um, a little bit. So I'm gonna read this. Um, so this is Joni Mitchell and she said, I heard someone from the music business saying that they are no longer looking for talent. They want people with a certain look and a willingness to cooperate. I thought that's interesting because I believe a total unwillingness to cooperate is what is necessary to be an artist. Not for perverse reasons, but to protect your vision. 
The considerations of a corporation, especially now, have nothing to do with art or music. And I think that last part just like really hit me. Um, she says, total unwillingness to cooperate, to protect your vision. And then when she says the considerations of a corporation have nothing to do with art or music, that was just like, oh my gosh. I just really like felt that um, just with just everything. I mean, really like everything that's going on right now. And um, especially like with Broadway being just closed down and then like things kind of coming to light with various people and systems and things like that. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to get kind of like your reaction to that and just like how, you know, how do we be authentic artists in kind of like less than authentic systems or less than authentic businesses, you could say, or fields even. Um, and yeah, what are your what are your thoughts on that? I'm so curious. Yeah. Um, I love the part of the quote that talked about um, protecting the vision. Um, and I think I can I can speak, obviously, I'm only going to speak personally, <laughs> of course. <Yeah. laughs> I'm like, what other way is there to talk? Um, <laughs> so I think that's exactly what I'm, This the moment I'm in. I'm not even going to say season. I think it's a moment because I think it's really pivotal um, in terms of how to reenter different artistic spaces once things reopen is that I'm like what is my vision as an artist and how how have I been um moving away from that in in mm. pursuit of what other people are calling success as an artist um so for instance I'm looking about the at the ways that I'm engaging in um Broadway space I guess we'll call it that musical theater as it's done um, at a large scale um, in a commercial way and it's and it feels like I'm kind of a pawn um, mm. and you know some of the conversations from last summer um, from the theater community was like oh, black actors we feel very much used um, often um, and feeling like, well, the only way we can be on a stage is to kind of comply, you know, mm -hmm. kind of like what that quote was talking about, um, just to cooperate. And, um, and we've kind of just, I've felt like I've done that in my career, um, as a performer and, and felt the tension of that. But, um, but then also being like, but here I am, you know, representing and, and showing other, you know, black female artists that it's possible, but at what cost so um there's also that's that's something i'm grappling with is like do i if i enter back into the space do i speak up more um mm -hmm. just use my voice in a different way rather than like i know i'm here to play this game but i'm going to call the game out uh, more often mm -hmm. um in ways and, and and be a little more loud or is it just a departure from that and say like do I have to create art in that space? Can there be other spaces where, um, you know, you feel you don't have a, a willingness to cooperate. You're like unwilling to cooperate. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I'm um, gonna go to a space where all of my, all of me is welcome. Um, mm -hmm. So um, that's a lot of the conversations that I've been having with some friends um, recently. But then I come back to, 
what's the vision? Like me as me as an artist, what do I want to be? Want to, what do I want to be said about my life as an artist? That she just played the game really well, that she has all these things on her resume, or that she was a really authentic artist in every season? Because um, then it change that can change. Um, and yeah, so those yeah. are some preliminary thoughts. And something I I think about a lot is like <clears throat> if all the people. Just when I when I think about like kind of the, the question of like, is it worth it? Like, um, is this what I really want? Um, is this how I want like my art to be uh, communicated to the world? And I, I often think like, well, if everybody was just kind of like, if everybody who thought this way was kind of like, eh, throw in the towel, go somewhere else, whatever then like what would it look like you know what would be left what would be the pieces that are left or what you know what are the ramifications if you know we all kind of had like a a grand exit or something because of like the problems I guess and just like navigating that even like for myself you know um but yeah that's that's something like I I think about a lot is like well who's who's going to be left of like all these people that want change or um feel this way if they if they were gone you know what would it look like it would be kind of scary i think right yeah i think there comes a point though um i mean i'm not black so i haven't and i'm not a broadway dancer and i haven't experienced <laughs> like all of the struggles and how um trying and difficult that must be but i think like you want to be I've been in places where it's like I want to be there to be a positive influence and then there's that one point where it's like well you got to shake the dust off your feet and leave them to (laughs) to rot I don't know like there's a point of like no return you know where it's like okay I've been trying to change this area or change this job or change this church or whatever it is and be like Mm -hmm. all right we're done we got to move on where Mm -hmm. Where does that point come in? I think is like that's like the hard thing to nail down. Yeah, that's actually really good because I was actually as you guys were talking, thinking about how how much bravery it would take to do like a mass exodus from these more um, mainstream forms of art that you know are just we're we're seeing um, how broken systems are being revealed in that obviously. And so, yeah, what what would a mass exodus look like? But that would take a lot of bravery on so, you know, and we were just talking about being, you know, women and (laughs) just sometimes it's harder to just be like as bold as we want to be, as Mm -hmm. we would love to be, as we are designed to be. But, um, you know, we're up against a lot. So I was just thinking about what would progressive bravery look like? What it would look like to like take just like little small acts of bravery, like you were saying, Rebecca, is like, what if you just keep trying to speak up in these spaces and if you just keep you know like almost like a snow like a ball of snow and then you build up momentum until you're realizing I gotta I gotta get out of here but I've mm-hmm. I've left a mark like I've <laughs> um yeah uh because I've done what I could at a pace that you know is good for your own heart because sometimes mm-hmm. pulling yourself away from these spaces without knowing where you will land um, and without feeling really sure of that could also crush your creativity too. Cause then yeah. you're like, I'm alone. 
no one left with me no one no one's funding this you know <laughs> um, yeah. it could get really discouraging so I don't know that was just these are musings you know I haven't figured anything out but yeah yeah I I was a, a part of a it's totally different but there was a, I was part of a drawing community in Maryland for a little while and there was this particular artist that kind of for lack like basically she bullied everyone into doing what she wanted to do every single week and I just left and then like I reconnected with some of the other artists a couple of years later and they were like man like I wish I had said something to her I wish I had like and I was like I wish I had said something like to her too or I had like talked to other people being like hey I have a problem with it like I don't I don't not that I have a problem with it I feel like she's being unfair but I didn't say anything I just left Mm. and like well, if I had said something, would other people have then found courage to also be like, yeah, I agree with you or, you know. Yeah. I am like not in tune with Broadway at all. And I feel like now that I need to read a bunch of books about Broadway. <laughs> um, but like, <laughs> what are some over. of the ways in which it is broken that you feel comfortable talking about? Like, Yeah. Um, I feel like uh, oftentimes maybe... And I think this is in in different um, spheres as well. But the bottom line becomes more of the priority than the quality of the art. Um, I know I talked to some other um, theater friends who are like, you can find really quality um, theater in other places of the country. But because it's not funded that well Mm -hmm. or like there's not a whole like line of producers giving millions of dollars behind it, like no one knows, you know, Um, Mm. but we're, you know, yeah, Broadway has so much money being poured into it, but what is being poured out may not always be of the greatest quality, but that's not the priority. Um, mm. And and even that like show must go on at that high scale is like performers become just the the players in this game to make sure, you know, we sell tickets, you know, instead of like, yeah, I think that's just part of it. Um, I know that, and in, in doing so, some of the some individuals who are maybe brilliant minds or brilliant or being called brilliant minds in the um, in their work as producers are not the healthiest of individuals um, treating mm. people um, at the um, treating their employees or, um, yeah, people on a individual level with any respect. So it's like, mm. what are we valuing? That's the question mark. What are we valuing the the work that gets done or how it gets done? Um, yeah. And if if people are scared out of their mind to go to work, like what what are we doing? What are we doing? Mm-hmm. Um, so these are the things. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that I'll I'll just say that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It reminds me of well, I don't know if this is like I have like no knowledge about any of this stuff at all. So like. I don't know, like, stuff about Harvey Weinstein, like, when that stuff came out, I was like, oh, this guy had, like, a ton, and that's, like, movies, (laughs) but, like, he had, like, so much power and money and influence, like, he did evil things, but, like, this system, like, made it to where he was, like, someone you couldn't stand up against kind of thing, like, when you, obviously, there's really great people who take all that money and power and influence and do great things, but it also draws in some really, like, 
horrible people who are like, oh, mm. tons of money and power, sign me up. Time to be yeah. a giant bully. <laughs> yeah. 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 I kind of I wonder, like, in art class, do we sometimes, like, idolize those creative, what, like, might be called creative geniuses that really aren't, like, that healthy, like, kind of like Julia Cameron's talking about? Because if you study, like, Picasso or Dolly, my world that I understand not really kind people at all horrible people like if you read dolly's self um what's it called autobiography he talks about like beating up a a woman in the first chapter like just because she insulted him or in some way it's like why are we idolizing him he's not a good person like you know can you imagine an artist doing that today and like getting it on you know snapchat or whatever it's like yeah what are we doing yeah. yeah. Do you feel kind of like as theater and as New York really is talking about reopening soon, you know, like summer, fall, um, do you feel hopeful about that? Like, do you feel hopeful about Broadway? Do you think that that's kind of what makes you just like stay and like keep going and keep making art is just like, hope for the future um yeah I think well hmm, how do I answer that I think (laughs) I'm actually I am hopeful but not about um life as it was coming back I think I um the quarantine time has revealed um other things that have brought me to life um as an artist as a creative so that would be like radiant um Mm. and then my just relationships with just other people that have been able to flourish more because of my open schedule. So, um, Mm -hmm. and then just, um, falling in love with New York city for other reasons beyond just Broadway and, and the, the midtown blocks (laughs) where Mm -hmm. the Broadway theaters are, you know, um, actually like really excited about, um, helping to plant a church in the Bronx. And so that I'm like being able to have energy for that. Um, and seeing how people will come together for a cause that's outside of themselves um, mm-hmm. and um, and about the people that they're serving, you know, I'm like, yeah, that's really, it's really amazing to me. Um, so that brings me a lot of hope because then I'm like taking those principles and those like values that are being lived out in this time, thinking about how can I bring that into a rehearsal room, thinking more about, you know, my fellow actors and like, the mm-hmm. audience and what their experience will be about rather than just like, is my paycheck going to be secure? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like I say, I say those things and those things sound really great and beautiful and like <laughs> almost poetic, but you know, I don't know what that actually looks like living it out. You know, I, I also still would like to live um, with some security financially as well. So just yeah, holding totally. all this, but I'm very hopeful because of what I've learned during quarantine mm. and not having, um, performance to yeah to take up all my time so I'm excited to see how it folds into my life when things reopen yeah that's awesome well thank you so much Diana this has been so great I was so excited to talk to you and you did not disappoint. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel very inspired to do everything. I know. I'm so inspired. <laughs> also, I'm going to march it. up to Broadway and like tell them to stop being mean <laughs> right after I do yoga with you guys. Come see a show. Yeah. 
Um, and we'll definitely be looking for your poetry book that comes out this summer. Is that yes, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Be on the lookout. You know, yeah. the deadline shifts because it's I'm doing it on my own. But sometime in the summer. That's why I said that very loosely, giving okay. myself grace. Giving myself Where? grace. Where can people find you if they're interested, they want to follow along with your journey? Do you have an Instagram or a website yeah. besides Radiant? Yeah, I'm on Instagram at Diana Vaden, or you can go to my website, dianavaden.com. Um, yeah, those are the best ways. I'm not super <laughs> active on Instagram right now, but oh, that's okay. But uh, that's yeah, okay. you can find me there. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This is amazing. I'm inspired by you guys. So inspired. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for listening to Coffee and Creatives. We hope you enjoyed the show. Our theme music is by Patrick Nichols. Derek McCauley and Patrick Nichols are our producers. Anna Wayne is our social media creative. Christina Nichols is our special event and guest creative. Rebecca McCauley is our writing content creative, and Noelle McMahonis is our creative director. To learn more about our creative journey, check out our Instagram at coffee underscore and underscore creatives, or our website at www.coffeeandcreativesproject.com. If you enjoy our podcast, please rate and review.